Ineffably Yours, Part 1, by Secondhand News. Chapter 47. Don't dream, it's over. Don't dream, it's over. Read by Pumpkin. August 2020. One day until the rapture. Crowley's Garden, London. Crowley sat alone on a bench in the garden. He watched. He had visited it a lot over the past few days. Sometimes Aziraphale sat quietly beside him. Sometimes he sat alone. He was content there, watching people walk among his creations, stooping low to inhale the scent of a flower as they took a moment to exhale and be still. He was tired, the sort of indescribable bone weariness that could only come at the end of a very long lifetime. It was peaceful, sitting in the sun and watching the world go by, as it would continue to do so the next day, and perhaps the next. He rolled up his sleeves, felt warmth spread slowly across his skin like thick honey, turning everything in its path gold. Above him, birds flitted through the trees, calling to each other, singing a song fit for a perfect summer day. There were voices, too, and if he closed his eyes, he could hear them all. Happiness. <laughs> That was the thread tying them all together. People were happy here, and he had been able to give that to them. The need to leave a legacy should have been a uniquely human desire. After all, what did a legacy matter when you were immortal? Crowley had been thinking a lot about legacies, whether the earth would remember his impact after he left it. His role in creation could never be torn away, not even by every angel in heaven, but that was before he fell. After he fell, there was just the garden, infinitesimal in the scheme of all human history, but enough. He felt a soft sound next to him, a pleasant sigh before lips brushed against his cheek. Aziraphale, the reason for everything, always. The only thing that had ever been worth the risk. Crowley turned to him, reached out a hand. They strolled the long way through the garden. Crowley pointing out the names of trees and flowers, while Aziraphale committed each and every one to memory. The angel suspected there were a few new additions to the garden that day. One last flourish. They paused at the gate, Crowley turning back for a last look, while Aziraphale plucked a rose from the trailing bush that wound its way around the fence, persisting. He brought it close to his face and inhaled eyes closed as he let the scent carry him back to another time. Next to him, Crowley turned away from the garden, stepping through the gate. Home, Angel? Aziraphale nodded. Home. August 2020. One day until the rapture. The Love Nest, London. Crowley? Aziraphale called out from the living room. Can you come here? The demon sat up from his very important task of staring blankly at the ceiling, thinking about death, and joined the angel on the sofa, where he found him running a finger along the underside of an envelope. What's that you've got there? A little trip down memory lane, Aziraphale smiled, patting Crowley's knee with one hand as he slid the thick wedge of photos out of the envelope with the other. He propped the photos up on his thighs and began leafing through them one by one. The first was a rather abstract view of the bookshop ceiling, which Crowley held up between them, laughing delightedly. Now this one, well, you'd have broken my heart if you didn't get this masterpiece printed. 
Aziraphale rolled his eyes, plucked it out of the demon's hand, and shuffled it to the back of the pack. I'd like to see your first foray into mobile photography, honestly. It's sentimental, Crowley. I know, Angel. It's lovely, really. I would have been devastated if I'd been ushered into the abyss without a final look at the cracks in your ceiling. The angel slapped his chest. That's quite enough of that. I just have to say... Oh, you just have to, do you? I know you're new to the whole technology thing, but all of these photos are right there. Crowley flicked a finger against the screen of Aziraphale's phone, relished the satisfying clunk of his nail against the glass. Aziraphale ignored the sarcasm in his voice, was too wrapped up in looking down at two happy faces staring back at him from the pictures in his lap. I wanted to hold them in my hands. It makes them real. For once, Crowley didn't have a comeback ready to fire off in response. Instead, he quietly mulled over Aziraphale's words as they passed photos back and forth, pausing every few moments to relay the story of when it had been taken. It was the first time, Crowley realized, that he had anything other than memories to rely on, to hold a record of their last years together in his hands, to see their faces smiling and in love. It was a reminder that everything they had endured, the highs, the lows, the romance, and the chaos and the madness of it all, it had been real. Every moment. As afternoon began to tiptoe into evening, Aziraphale busied himself with choosing the perfect wine. The final tipple, he thought, pouring through the bottles they'd accumulated over the months, tutting to himself as he realized just how many Crowley had covertly stashed in the cupboard. I told him we'd never have time to drink all of these. Crowley had left the angel to it, had never been that picky about wine, if he was honest. If it was wet and red, he was happy enough. He continued on with Aziraphale's photo diary of the last two years. The pictures they sent to each other to bridge the gap during that agonizing year of forced separation. Rolling waves taken from the top of the cliffs in Cornwall. Sneaky shots Aziraphale had taken of him speaking with potential customers and embellishing dramatic reasons why he couldn't possibly sell him a book. They were all there, every little moment from the otherworldly to the mundane. He paused on one picture, almost at the end of the stack. He'd taken the photo himself a few days ago during that last seaside trip they managed to squeeze in that week. They'd had to huddle together to fit in the frame, the crown of his head pressed to Aziraphale's temple, the angel's hair transformed into a blazing fire in the sunset. He traced the outline of Aziraphale's face with one finger, marveled at how beautiful he was, how blissful he looked to be there. Memories could obscure the truth, he realized, blur themselves around the edges over time, and hide things you never even knew were there. Memories were told from a single perspective, after all. Photographs were the indisputable truth, a neutral snapshot of a moment that could never be altered by opinion or emotion or the haze of hindsight. When Crowley had taken that picture of the two of them on the beach that day, what he hadn't seen, could never have held in a memory, was the way Aziraphale wasn't looking at the phone lens, but instead was gazing across at him with so much love in his eyes that Crowley had to put the picture down and swallow the emotion in his throat. To be loved like that, to be the recipient of endless adoration and acceptance and respect, it was everything he had never believed himself to be deserving of. I am, he whispered, smiling at the realization that he believed it. You are what, my dear? Aziraphale's voice filtered up from behind the sofa, where he held a bottle up for Crowley to appraise. Bloody thirsty. 
Crowley laughed, taking the bottle and holding out his other hand for the corkscrew. Angel, I need to say something, and you have to promise not to laugh at me. Aziraphale raised both eyebrows as he swallowed a mouthful of wine. White, he decided on, leaving Crowley to attempt to make a dent in the stockpile of red he had acquired. I've got a midday meeting with the Void tomorrow, so I'm not feeling in particularly high spirits. You're probably safe. Crowley sighed, funking his wine glass onto the coffee table and turning to look at the angel with an expression so serious that Aziraphale had started laughing before he'd even begun speaking. I'm worried about Barnaby. The rapture, sky splitting in two, the whole thing. Do you think he'll be okay? Oh, I wouldn't worry about Barnaby, Aziraphale smiled, putting a reassuring hand on top of Crowley's. All dogs still go to heaven. Too much backlash when they proposed reversing the rules. That's what I'm afraid of. I don't think Gabriel has much to do with the canine population, or Michael for that matter. I can have a word with the Almighty if you like. See if we can take him with us, wherever that is. If you wouldn't mind, Crowley laughed. It felt good to hear Aziraphale gently mock him. The looming shadow of the next day was weighing heavily on the angel. He knew that, could all but see his mind ticking over any possibility that could save him. He hadn't asked Aziraphale if he had a plan, was happy to follow the angel in blissful ignorance wherever he might lead them. It was how he'd lived most of his life, after all, and he hadn't made too big of a cock-up of it in the end. Was it brave, he wondered, or cowardly, his resignation to whatever the next day held? Was Aziraphale courageous or rooted in denial, to refuse to give up, to believe in survival so absolutely that even imminent extermination wouldn't stop him trying to find a way out? They were both brave, he decided, in their own ways. Aziraphale the protector, he thought with a smile, defending him until the very end. Aziraphale picked up the stack of photographs, looked wistfully at the one Crowley had taken of him the night before the R&R program. He was silhouetted against the living room windows looking out at the city. He couldn't see his face in the shot, didn't need to to remember everything he'd been feeling that night, all the fear and swirling hope that he tried to suppress. Crowley, he said, voice raised as he leaned over the arm of the sofa to call out to the demon who was clattering about in the kitchen, wine in hand. Do you ever think about all the forks in the road? How different things might have been? Yes, Angel, Crowley's head popped up in the doorway. Far too often. If we hadn't stopped Armageddon, if I'd never fallen, even if I'd passed the hell-forsaken farce in heaven last month. Aziraphale sighed wistfully, remembering the first time he'd told Crowley no. Not yet. I'm afraid. If I'd run away with you the first time you asked, or the second, or the third, he reappeared, carrying two glasses, a pitcher of water, a sugar bowl, and two spoons. Isn't it supposed to be third time lucky? Well, I suppose fourth time's the charm for us. Aziraphale took the pitcher from Crowley's hands, frowning at it in confusion. The demon sat back down on the sofa, neatly arranging the sugar bowl in between the glasses, laying out the twin spoons just so. Never quite followed the conventional path, did we? Six thousand years of almost, Angel. And we always found our way back together again. Almost as if someone wanted us to. They fell silent, two pairs of eyes flicking upwards for just a second. They caught each other and laughed. They do say she works in mysterious ways. Crowley threw one hand up towards the ceiling in frustration, raising his voice. Have you got a plan then, love? Now would be a bloody great time to let us in on it. Crowley, 
Aziraphale warned, closing his eyes to send an apology skyward. Habit of a lifetime seemed pointless to stop now. Any good favor garnered wasn't to be sniffed at. What is all this anyway? Thought you'd never ask. He grinned, pulling a wrinkled sheet of paper out of his back pocket. He ran a hand over it once, twice, to smooth it out on the coffee table. Crowley and Aziraphale's list of making up for lost time. Take a flight. Done. Stroke a dog. Done. Beat Aziraphale at chess. Done. Really, Crowley? Visit a nightclub. Done. Beat Sinistar without angelic intervention. Done. Drink absinthe and live to tell the tale. It was wine-stained and frayed among the numerous folds, had taken a battering in Crowley's pocket over the long months that had passed since they'd sat at the little picnic bench in the Cornish cottage and assembled their to-do list, all the silly, inconsequential things they had never got around to doing before. You kept it with you? Aziraphale asked, his voice swelling with emotion. Of course I did. Crowley jabbed a finger at the last entry as he pulled a bottle up from the side of the sofa and slammed it down on the table. The green liquid sloshed menacingly, almost glowing inside the glass bottle. Only one thing left. Aziraphale coughed pointedly. <clears throat> Not sure you ever really beat me at chess if we're being one thing left. Crowley bit the words out. It counted, and you know it did. Who am I to burst your bubble this late in the day? The angel held his hands up to concede, nodded down at the bottle of absinthe that lay in front of them. Is this really the best idea? Ah! Crowley held up a finger, as if Aziraphale had missed his masterstroke of genius. It's not for tonight. It's for tomorrow night, or the day after, or next June, or November if we want. Something to look forward to if we come back. When we come back. Yes, when we come back. Crowley nodded, let Aziraphale kiss him until he was breathless. Will this be the last song I ever hear? Aziraphale thought, staring into the corner of the room as the swell of strings came to a crescendo and slowly faded out, leading seamlessly into the next song. Okay, well, will this be the last song I ever hear? He had been playing the game for the last six songs, considered each new melody he heard as a resounding triumph of his own will to survive. There were still new things to be discovered, even in the final hours, a testimony to his insistence to heaven that one could never grow tired of life on earth, could never exhaust all of its treasures. Crowley's footsteps came padding back into the living room, heavier than usual on account of the wine. He might not be able to drink his way through their entire stash, but he was damned if he wouldn't give it a good go. Aziraphale sat up, smiled as Crowley extended a hand, unsure where he was taking him, but willing to go, wherever it might be. One last turn around the dance floor? Crowley snapped his fingers and they were bathed in diffused light, as if only a single candle flickered in the darkness. Aziraphale looked up at him, at the shadows on his face, the long length of his limbs, skinny hips and flaming hair, hell's own blueprint of temptation. If only they'd known, he laughed to himself, took Crowley's hand, and let him lead him to an empty space that would have to serve as a dance floor once more. 
the first time they had danced together, it had fallen to Aziraphale to lead, to guide the reluctant demon and show him how it felt to move as one. On that night, the last night on earth, Crowley pressed a hand to the angel's lower back and danced as smoothly as if he'd been practicing in secret, which, in fact, he had been for quite a few days now. It caught Aziraphale off guard, the way he took the lead, laughed happily as Crowley twirled him gently under his arm and pulled him close for a kiss. Quite the improvement. Aziraphale closed his eyes to revel in the mundanity of it all, the elation of a nighttime dance with the love of his life. How many moments just like this had he let slip by without delighting in them? Always so worried about the bigger picture, about fixing things, he'd missed a lifetime of fleeting joys just like this one. Full of surprises, me. Curly scuffed his ankle against the coffee table, hissed under his breath. Do you remember Venice? The angel asked, thinking back to that night when the air was warm and full of magic, of the way Crowley's eyes had met his across the dance floor. Never been so furious that I didn't know how to dance. He smiled at the memory, just another one of the thousands of chance encounters that had brought them so close to the precipice. It had taken another two and a half centuries, give or take, until they finally made it into each other's arms. Everyone can dance, even if they don't know it. Well, one of us has clearly never been to one of Hell's end-of-the-century parties. I should have. Aziraphale pressed a kiss to Crowley's collarbone, felt the demon's pulse twitch in his neck as he pulled away. How did I manage to fly under the radar up there all that time? I spent more time fraternizing down here with you than I ever did in heaven. Fraternizing. Crowley repeated the word, looked around at the little home they had built themselves, Shacked up with a demon, and we still haven't moved on from fraternizing? Aziraphale pushed one hand against his chest in protest. You know what I mean. Fraternizing, pining for 6,000 years, spending the rest of our days together. It's not all that different. They fell silent, smiles faltering as the clock above the fireplace chimed over the song they had been dancing to. Twelve peels. A new day. Well, Aziraphale said finally, it's been six millennia in the making, but the day of reckoning is upon us. It's been an honor to love you, Crowley breathed, resting his cheek against Aziraphale's hair as he took a sip of wine from the glass he held in his other hand. He tasted the blend of blackberry and earth on his tongue, inhaled sharply to give himself anything to think of, except how quickly time was slipping through their fingers. It continued its unstoppable march on and on, the only thing in life that could never be bent to hell or heaven's will. Two things, Crowley corrected himself, time and an angel and a demon destined for each other. When I'm at the pearly gates, this will be Aziraphale draped one arm around Crowley's neck, squeezed his eyes closed, and let the demon guide him as the tears threatened to spill over. He had made it all day, 
had kept smiling despite everything. But as their final day began, it was more than the angel could comprehend. It wasn't possible, he reasoned, for this to be their last day together. There was so much left to do. So many more midnight dances. So many songs left to hear. Drink, Curly murmured. When we want to cry, we drink instead. He guided his glass to Aziraphale's lips, tipped a little too violently, and sent scarlet droplets cascading to the floor. Without missing a beat, both angel and demon nodded down to miracle away the stain. Too many frivolous miracles. May the Almighty strike us down. It's a few hours too early for that, isn't it? Crowley laughed, and then he was crying too. They danced in the darkness, forehead to forehead, letting the rise and fall of the song dictate their rhythm. It was steady, somber when it needed to be, soaring when the sadness was almost too much to bear. Aziraphale closed his eyes, stretched up to meet Crowley in a kiss, tasted salt on his lips, and imagined they were back by the sea, on the cliffs high above the swell of the waves crashing against the rocks. They were peering into the unknown, even then. They always had been, when he thought back to it. You have been the greatest adventure of my lifetime. Aziraphale took the wine glass from Crowley's hand, leaned down to rest it on the coffee table, and held the demon's hand over his heart. Crowley followed the angel's lead, pressed Aziraphale's palm to his own chest. He felt Aziraphale's heartbeat against his hand, a life pulsing persistently against his skin. What a life, he thought. What a life it's been. As Aziraphale moved to the rhythm of Crowley's heartbeat, he thought of all that lay within it, all he had seen it bring to life in the garden that day. His own beat just as surely, but creation ran through the demon's blood. Was there anything in his own heart, he wondered, that could pull existence into being? Crowley, he asked, unsure what the question was going to be until the words came tumbling out. What does it feel like? creation. Crowley thought for a moment, realized he'd never had to articulate it before. It just was. It was something so deeply part of his soul that, for a moment, he couldn't find the words. It's like falling into the deepest sleep, the sort of sleep where you could swear your dreams are real, a space you can walk through where you can shape everything that's in your mind and in your heart. You can pull it free, whatever you've been hiding, and make it real. It's infinite. Everything bigger than we can imagine. It's bringing the stars down from heaven so we could dance among them. And he could have, if he wanted to, but being together in their home was enough. It was bigger than the stars. A quiet life, the angel whispered. That's what we'll build after this, after the end. Crowley breathed in, felt the tremor in his throat as he leaned into the lie. Breakfast in bed every morning, Eggs just the way you like them. A house full of dogs. They'll love you almost as much as I do. I'll help you when you get stuck on the crossword. I'll learn how to make sushi. You'll get sick of it. <laughs> Never. Aziraphale laughed, shaking his head at the notion. Walks down by the sea after lunch. Just us, the waves in the sky. We'll breathe easy. Nothing left to run from. The song came to its tragic end, chords playing out the rhythm of a heart that beat beat, beat, until suddenly it didn't. Then there was only the sound of their breath, inhaling and exhaling in harmony, and Aziraphale looking up at him, eyes shining, lips bee-stung and soft. There was desperation in his face, disbelief that Crowley knew was fear masquerading under a different name.
I should have gone with you. Aziraphale buckled against him, and all Crowley could do was hold him as all the sorrow he'd spent the day swallowing burst free. That day in the bandstand, I should have said yes. We could have been light years away from this place by now. We wouldn't have to say goodbye. I did this to us. Look at me. Crowley held the angel's face in his hands, kissed his forehead, his cheek, and finally his lips. Aziraphale, look at me. We are not saying goodbye. It's never goodbye, not with us. If we have to walk through every world the Almighty has created until we find each other, even if it takes eternity, that's what we'll do. I am not giving you up. Not ever. Not for anything. Why did I chase paradise for so long? Aziraphale wondered, looking into Crowley's eyes in the flickering candlelight as they lay, nose to nose, underneath a soft blanket. I already had it. I always did. He ran one hand slowly across the demon's skin, felt every angle and curve of him, locked them all away in his mind for safekeeping. He leaned close to Crowley's ear, let his lips come to rest against the space between his jaw and neck. You are still, after all this time, the most beautiful thing I have ever seen. In the beginning, we stood there in Eden, for heaven's sake, and still, all I could see was you. I should have stayed away from you. Everything bad that's ever happened to you has been because of me. Aziraphale laughed quietly. All the good things have been because of you, too. Selfish, really. I saw you, an angel, in my garden. You were everything I could have been. I hated you on sight. And then, somehow, by the time the rain fell, I loved you. I went there to destroy you. When it came to it, though, he trailed off, laughing at his own absolute predictability. I just wanted a chat, really, didn't I? Couldn't destroy you after that. A heartbeat later, he nudged Aziraphale's nose with his own in the dark. You were the first thing that had spoken to me in years. Really spoken to me. I mean, as if I was there. Aziraphale exhaled, and a nervous chuckle came with it. Imagine if I was in any way adequate at my job. Wouldn't have had to worry about the rapture, that's for sure. I'd been stamped out over 6,000 years ago. Funny old world, isn't it? Crowley slid one hand up against his back, held him close, until it felt as though their hearts pounded with a single beat, surging faster with every moment that took them closer to the brink. And now we're here, one last adventure into the unknown. Now we're here. A second passed, and then another, and then one last release of the words Aziraphale had held quietly in his heart. Crowley, I thought I could let us go, that I could accept whatever the rapture meant. I can't. I can't let this happen to us, not after everything we've done to get here. I said I would come up with a plan, that I would fix things, that I would always protect you. I won't give up. I swear to you. The demon silenced him with a kiss, slow and sweet and aching. You've spent all these years trying to make a perfect place for us, a better world. This is the world we have. It brought us together. It was always enough. Rest now, angel. Aziraphale nodded against him, felt Crowley's eyelashes flutter on his shoulder as he closed his eyes. As a demon slipped gently into one last dream, an angel opened his eyes in the darkness and smiled, knowing he would never rest, not where there was still a chance. And there was always a chance, wasn't there, for a better world.